Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's homo superior. Issue 181. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. And before we get into the news, Zack Snyder's Justice League just came out and we talked about it in an extra release, extra issue released this past Tuesday. Uh, also, later, we're going to get into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But if you'd like to bone up on one of the new main characters named U.S. Agent, listen to our Class X episode on Who is U.S. Agent to feel a little bit more informed about what you might see. This week, uh, we've got a special early. Clark's got something. Watch out. Uh, we have plenty of thoughts about the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, a meaty news flash, including a release date for Black Widow, a new distributor for Marvel Comics, and some sad news about one of our favorite actresses, and of course, this week's issues. So let's kick it off. Clark's got something. Watch out. All right, I'm going to start off by literally giving you no context per usual. I need everyone one at a time to come up with a word you would never use, an actual word that exists that you never use, that you think you'll never use. Brent, what's yours? Amazeballs. Amazeballs. Okay. Who else is next? Mine is joyful. Would never use <laughs> joyful ever. Kaylin. Uh, moist. Moist. will <laughs> be good. Brent, while, you can't have Adam, to. No, I know, no, but while Adam and Ryan are thinking of theirs, I, that this is a perfect way of trying to figure out like, has Clark been invaded by a body snatcher? <laughs> What's the what's the word Clark would never use? And if you say joyful, <laughs> you shoot the other one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my word is boss. How do you spell that? Um, it, it, it's more of a context thing of like that's so boss like that. Oh, okay. B-O-S-S. And Adam, what's yours? Uh, cellophane. Cellophane. Okay, so never used it. I mean, I don't. Well, you don't say, "Give me the cellophane anymore." You just say, like, "I need plastic wrap." You don't. <laughs> yeah, you say, "Who says cellophane?" When they could just say plastic wrap. I say cellophane just because of the song from Chicago. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm joyful, and I say joyful every day, Clark. So we're just. Do you? Oh no, I don't like that. I I am not an influencer at all. Okay, so two weeks ago, Pee Wee Herman. Um, they just they uh, HBO announced that they're going to do a documentary based on his life, based on Paul Rubin's life. So I decided that I'm going to go full secret word insanity um, Pee Wee's Playhouse today. So you know when when there'd be a secret word at the beginning of Pee Wee's Playhouse, would it be like Apple that everyone screamed? <laughs> so in this so in this case, it's going to be whenever I cuss. All you have to say, the word you don't say. So Brent will have to say amazeballs. Kaylin wants to say moist. Ryan wants to say boss. And Adam wants to say cellophane every time I cuss. Part of this is to see how many times I cuss because I don't know how many times I cuss in, a, in an episode. Wait, um, wait, wait. I, I, have some, I have some questions. So do we yeah. just jump in and say that word yeah. whenever you say fuck or shit, whatever? Yeah. We're not using our, like, the hand or no, finger system? No, you're interrupting and screaming. And All not just same. screaming. We don't want the audience to go deaf. Um, a modulate, it's a modulated... Um, um, Carefully announce it. Cellophane. Yeah. 
Okay, this episode, episode 181 is chaotic evil. All right, I have deemed it. Remember how I said this was going to be a really short, um, Clark's got something for like two, three to five minutes. This is actually, this is actually like an hour long Clark's got something oh that just god. happens to have news oh. built in. Oh okay. my god, okay. Hey, anyway. all right. And so, so as a message so, to the listeners, please uh, ride that microphone, ride that <laughs> volume, because uh, you're going to need to turn it down at points. So I decided that I'm I'm um, giving you all characters. So um, um, Adam, right. I decided I think you're Cherry, you know, the blue chair from Pee Wee's Playhouse that he sits on all the time and she like talks to him while he's sitting on her. Yeah, that's, so that, seems, that, that, seems like an, that seems like an Adam thing. Very fitting. Okay, so um, Ryan, you are Jambi, which is the head. That's the um, the, like the not psychic. What's the word I'm going for? Like genie head that says um, Mecca Lecca High, Mecca Heine Ho. So mm-hmm. that's you. And Kay, Kay, let's see who else did I have? Uh, Brent, you are the one time Natasha Leone shows up with all of her tooth, all of her teeth missing, and she's got like this weird Indian like headband. So ah, that's well, you. It's a vi- that's a classic character, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And finally, about. <laughs> Kaylin, you are the dog chair that looks like a toilet that has no name that they just have sitting behind Cherry. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, that tracks really well. Yeah. <laughs> so we Watch. should all be in character for this. Is this yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Okay, cool. so anyways, for example, I'll say fuck, and then what happens? Melivane! Moist! <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be the worst. You need to do it faster, though. You need to be catching up on what cuss words I'm gonna yeah, say. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're not. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to remember that every time. <laughs> yeah. You just you missed me say fuck a second time. Hey. Amazing. Come balls. on, you guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, let's let's uh, that's that's um, let's start on something else. <laughs> okay. Let's <laughs> let's get into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, last week, Disney uh, Plus released the first episode of their second MCU show, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's uh, several months after the blip, and while Sam Wilson is still all about that hero life, he decides that being Captain America isn't for him. Uh, Bucky tries to adjust to a normal life, but still has a lot of uh, red in his ledger to haunt him. And uh, the hit band Flag Smasher and the Flag Smashers make an appearance. And of course, the government decides that Captain America can be played by any white guy because they're all basically the same. Uh, I thought it was a pretty exciting first episode. Uh, but what did you guys think? Big first impressions and how you felt at the end. Uh, Kaylin, let's kick it off with you. Sure. Uh, I was I was definitely looking forward to the show, but I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as Wanda and WandaVision. Uh, but I thought the first episode was a lot stronger than the first couple of episodes of WandaVision because they're leaning into stuff that I really wanted to see in the MCU. They're dealing with the immediate repercussions of the blip of everybody coming back. I think it's very smartly done. I think uh, Bucky's trauma is super well handled. Um, They're leaning into some of the real world stuff uh, uh, for Sam Wilson. And his backstory definitely was um, a little bit, it's not quite the same as in the MCU, but they, definitely dealt with the fact that he is a uh, an african-american man uh dealing with mostly white superheroes and you know with some white white supremacy in in the united states and so they definitely like touched on that and i thought that was very very smart right 
Yeah, totally agree. It was it. It was a great start. Um, I think you feel that it's going to be a shorter season immediately because it's only six episodes. Um, they're a little bit longer. They they feel a little bit more in depth. Obviously, WandaVision was doing something different. Uh, the thing that I liked about it the most was, uh, you know how Kevin Feige, or as uh, Katie Ozog calls him, Kevin Gojabagi, whatever, <laughs> like just nonsense name. But uh, the, the funny thing is, it's uh, how he was always like, we want every Marvel film to feel and look very different and have its own vibe. I'm getting that way more from the TV shows than I am from the actual like movies and stuff. Because if you look at WandaVision compared to this, you're like, WandaVision is for the queers out there. And then like this show is immediately like for a little the bit queers more of, out like, there. Yeah, the How, is this, How is this not for the queers? There's lots of hot men running around. It's for the tops. <laughs> um okay a different queer but why am i turned section. on Brent? <laughs> it's okay it's it's yes it, we're talking bottoms and tops right now and i don't want to get yeah. into logistics but um but but <laughs> but like this is so it's it's a very different feel because it's more actiony it's it's a little bit more uh, red-blooded man sort of thing and i know a lot of marvel fans were asking for it so it's it's nice to see the sort of shift and done in such a good way. So I, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it, it, it was a great first uh, episode, honestly. Clark. Clark. Oh, no, Clark, go ahead. You had your hand up and then, okay. Anyways. All right, I loved it. Uh, <laughs> I did actually really enjoy it. I'm, I'm totally on board with uh, all of the comments so far. I think it was uh, a really strong start for a show I wasn't super jazzed about, especially from trailers. So one of my big things was in particular there was like the action sequence that I thought was the Grand Canyon and I was like this is going to be a dumbass show of just action and stupid hot and running around for the tops and the women in our lives and then <laughs> uh and then the questioning them but what was so cool is that even that sequence which I was like kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop like oh here they go I really thought that was a great action sequence so it's like I really do think they're bringing out the best of Marvel movies and the television show like i probably enjoy i mean obviously we're gonna still have five more episodes to go but like what a strong start and for both wandavision and for this what a strong start for marvel tv because i'm like i really do think tv and sort of limited series might even be the preferred way to go over time at least for character driven stories for bing bao three act you know action movies there's still room for that as there will need to be when they're kind of like these big zeitgeisty things but you get so much more time with Sam, so much more time with Bucky. And there's just a lot more room to breathe and you get to understand and see these people. And like Kaylin, you were saying, really get to even feel the world and the ramifications, right? And uh, I just thought that was great. Clark? Um, Kaylin had one finger up, go. I was just gonna say uh, on this podcast, every locale defaults to Arizona. <laughs> red, red on red on red. This Clark. show feels like the creators cared enough to know the history of every character. I going back, like uh, the last thing we were listening to about fucking WandaVision, where she said, the creator did not know. Oh, did I say a moist? Oh, moist. Um, I didn't know. I didn't mean to do uh, anyways. Um, and and they said, um, they didn't even know Mephisto existed until after they created the series. And I'm like, fuck you. That, that was boss. And anyways, so it's I think they actually care. This series actually cares. The fact that they introduce 
Joaquin Torres, who's like the most recent Falcon, who's been in what, like eight issues ever. We got um, current Falcon's sister who showed up and she's been in like three issues ever. The fact they're actually deep diving properly and making it interesting. So not just like random schmoes that wander off the street is really awesome. Brent. Um, I think for me, uh, one of the, the, I was most excited kind of by the very end by the appearance of US agents or the new Captain America as he's called uh, here, <clears throat> because I think that they did a very good job of showing kind of technical visual chops. Like on first viewing, I got really amped up and excited and I wasn't really sure why and why I was so angry all of a sudden. <laughs> and I think it's because on rewatch, I noticed how good of a job they did at establishing in language, how important symbols are, but also visually doing it. So that you're when you first see the new Captain America, it's like he's oblique, he's cast in shadow, you see the top of his head, then you get a side shot of you know the one of the senator or whoever, and then it shows you the shield, and then it swoops in to show you a shot of this fucko who is who does his uh man from up wink and smirk. Uh, and I, I was like, oh my God, this is a very well-constructed uh, kind of moment. And so I think that they're going to, I'm very hopeful for the rest of the season to have similar construction like that. Uh, Kaylin. One, did you notice that um, when he was walking down to the podium or the lectern, there was a gun and a holster next to him to oh, show no, that he is very different from Steve Rogers. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was the the interesting dichotomy between Sam and his um, reticence to take on the mantle of Captain America. Plus, I'm going to say he was the Secretary of Defense because he, uh, the older guy that was at the museum opening uh, and also announcing the new Captain America, uh, um, he said to Sam, "It's like you're doing this, you're doing the right thing by dropping the shield off." And then it's it's Sam's uh, doubt plus this guy's. I'm going to assume underlying racism that Captain America has to be a white guy mm -hmm. and seeing Sam and specifically his sister, just their reaction when they're watching the press conference. God, that was so, so fucking well done. Brent? Mm -hmm. Clark first, actually. Oh, ahead, I was Clark. just thinking that this show, uh, there's never a moment where I was like, I'm tired of this certain character which happens yes. all the time. You're like, I, I want to see what Bucky's doing. I don't care about blank. It's like, there wasn't a time where I was like, I don't give a shit about blankety blank. I don't care. I don't give a shit about uh, Joaquin. You know, even I know he was fucking awesome from the get go. It's like, there wasn't a point where I stopped caring. What do you right. guys think are going to be some, uh, some of the themes for this show that you want to see the most? I think for me, it's uh, Bucky's story and how appropriate it might be to have someone who's done a lot of awful, terrible things and then having to atone for them and makes uh, sincere uh, apologies and contrivances, given how many people we've seen, you know, you know, especially with the Me Too movement, uh, who, have, who have made just shitty apologies and try to just move on and the wheel kind of keeps turning. Ryan. I, I think uh, a kind of very interesting thing that I think it'll be pretty obvious is Sam was supposed to get the shield. Sam was supposed to be Captain America. Um, one of the main themes is like, oh, I don't think I'm ready. I don't want to represent that. And then when you see someone else in that role, 
how do you feel about that? And do you fit like what, where does that fit into the world? Because you kind of starved them of this opportunity. And then because the world just keeps on moving basically without you. So like, what, how, how do you fit into something when you say no to something and have to deal with that afterwards? I think for him personally, Kalen. Kalen. Yeah, I wanted to just add to what you were saying. I think like the the idea of worthiness uh, and being the true successor of somebody whose shadow you've been living in for a long time is going to be a major theme. Because I think one thing that's going to happen in this show is the revelation that there was a Captain America before Steve Rogers. And it was Isaiah who was in Captain America Truth. If you guys remember from the graphic novel, the yes. first black Captain America as part of the, the quasi Tuskegee experiments to show that Steve wasn't the first. And the first was actually a black man. And like that, like I was going to tie in very much to like Sam's story. Give me that tea. Well, yeah, no, I, I think that's a great connection. And I really hope they pull on that thread because I was even thinking, you know, beyond just like that, am I worthy enough? It's almost imposter syndrome as well, which I know like, and I'm always saying bringing this up because we did a lot of, at my actual company, we did a lot of conversations and work around like BIPOC, like mental health. And we talked about how racial trauma also like begets, uh, I don't want to go too like, too academic on this, but it also potentially begets imposter syndrome, which we know everyone can experience, but like, especially in a world and Kaylin, like you were saying, like, I, I really like that capture. And I, I really hope they kind of like hit that point as well, which is like, oh, well, it's for the best. You kind of move aside and allow this other white person to take this mantle. And it's like, I really hope they fully capture that story to like really serve as an inspiration to, to many people for a lot of things. Um, switching gears on new cap, as much as like, he's obviously off to a great start of looking and being like a dick. Um, I really hope that they find a way to make him a bit more three-dimensional than just like, you know, the kind of rough and tumble asshole that's like, just trying to, I mean, obviously that is who U.S. agent was based on our class X conversation, but I really hope they find a way to give you that while also continuing to hit mature him as a three-dimensional kind of character and having him learn or evolve and at least so he's not just this like, grunty type uh you know enemy of the week sort of just holding up and fighting for other people that are either racist or otherwise that are trying to like fight fight back on this leave uh leave all the like weekly shenanigans to batrock because he was uh absolutely incredible and i mm -hmm. think they did a great job at like transitioning that actor into like this more comedic that we've seen more recently in thunderbolts um that i that i just really want to see more of ryan uh, I love that. None of us are like, uh, obviously Bucky's going to take up the mantle. Like no one even thinks like, maybe like, it's so clear that he's not, he's just like a sidekick, which I kind of like. Agreed. Kaylin. Um, I going back to, uh, Bucky's redemption arc or his sort of like his angst and like him making amends. I like that we saw both sides of the coin of one of like taking down the corrupt Senator, you know, but doing it in like a non-Winter Soldier, non-lethal way, but also trying to make amends with the the older Asian man whose father, he's, uh, he's the father of the, of the guy that he killed when he was the Winter Soldier. I thought that was so well done. But I want to uh, just, uh, I hope we see more of her. The, the woman who was the therapist was so good yes. as a character. And she's a wonderful character actress. I've seen her in a million things. And like, just like reading him for filth, like not putting up with this bullshit, my God, I was like more, more, more of her, Brent. Yeah, and I really wanted uh, that back wall she had of all the lavender. Uh, I thought that was gorgeous. Um, gorgeous. Gorgeous. <laughs> all right, quickly, Mary fuck kill. 
uh, Bucky Delightful. with the short hair, uh, <laughs> Winter Soldier with the long hair, or Winter Soldier with the mask. Brett, this is alive. obvious. This is so obvious. You what? marry Falcon. You you fucking no, no, kill. No, no, you didn't listen to me. Okay, I did. Okay. It's Bucky with the short hair, Bucky with the long hair, oh. or the Winter Soldier with the mask. I only right. heard Becky. <laughs> okay, so you marry Bucky with the short hair because he's the one who's going on the redemptive arc. You fuck Bucky with the long hair because you can, you know, pull it back a little bit. And I guess you kill the one with the mask because he'll probably no. kill you first. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take a take. You gotta take care of. No, this you fucked first. that one. Yeah, you are yeah, fucking you that mask guy right. so goddamn hard and killing. Long so which one are you killing? Angsty, long-haired, Bucky. Long-haired. It's yeah. all greasy. Always you know? kill the long-haired one. That that is the rule. <laughs> they for both everything, have long honestly. hair. Yeah, but one of them has a mask. <laughs> I mean, so, so, some people uh-huh. are into that, and we're not gonna kink shame here. Okay. Also, just, uh, that's not uh, my thing. I gotta say, amaze balls because Clark says you definitely fuck the mask. Oh yeah, I did moist, say that, yeah. moist. I said joyful. I decided that when anyone else says a cuss word, I have to say joyful. That's my <laughs> sad addition. That's really that's really fucking great. All right. Yeah, oh, sorry, Galen. Hey, sorry. Sorry for going for that. One thing I just wanted to ask all of you. I read some reviews of the first episode. And a couple of my favorite reviewers, like they, they, um, they said it reminded them too much of one of the Netflix Marvel shows, and I didn't really oh, get what? that. But I wanted to like ask y'all, did I miss something? Was I too enamored with this? Um, Who are these people? <laughs> like, AV Club. Well, Alan, AV Club's one, and Alan Seppenwall of the other, who, who writes for the Rolling for Rolling Stone. Tell them to shut up. I. Yeah, no, I don't, okay. I don't believe that in the least. I think the biggest problem we've always talked about Netflix is the pa- pacing of those shows. And this one, I think from beginning to end was a very enjoyable ride and gave me that full story of an episode, but also led me to want more of this, the overall story. Th- this show actually had sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was not like Iron Fist. I don't know where they're coming from. That's, but that's then again, Ryan... Really- what works are? I mean, you've got the Godfather one, Godfather two, <laughs> dark, <laughs> stupid. All right. So I heard a news flash. It's a news flash. News flash. So first up, some sad news. One of our favorite actresses, Jessica Walter, passed away today at the age of eighty. You probably remember her as Mallory Archer or Lucille Bluth. Uh, she's just a phenomenal, phenomenal actress. Um, and she was apparently a phenomenal human being too. Uh, but you know, the world is a little bit uh, sadder with her gone. So, Ryan, I mean Adam, sorry. Uh, this was very heartbreaking news to me, and uh, I'm really happy, I guess, to know how much I guess people knew what impact she made on my life. Because as I got out of my haircut today, I received two separate texts: one from uh, my ex-boyfriend, one from my current boyfriend, being like, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry, Jessica Walter died." I was like, yeah. "Wow." People really. Know Wait, which what? Which of those two did you treasure more, honestly? My current. <laughs> uh, no, that I gotta. Great I gotta that you're making. Up. It's great that you're making her death about you. Yeah, it's yes. really important. <laughs> no, my, I just, I, uh, it was a cute joke I wanted to toss out, but I am so depressed that she is gone, and this is just like a, I, I, I don't know. She was wonderful. She, she meant a lot to people, and actually, the thing that I got really, really frustrated with is because I realized. I don't even think she ever fully got a complete sort of 
not comeuppance or not focused, but like I remember when they had that follow up interview about Jeffrey Tambor mm-hmm. and she was really putting herself out there and her fucking male coworkers were just assholes. And I, you know, I can appreciate that they obviously kind of felt like they had some family connection as well. But I'm like that that just made me so upset that I don't think there was ever a full circle of her gaining that sort of like confidence or justice through what she experienced because that's just awful. I really, I really didn't like that. I, I, I just, she's such a wonderful, awesome actress and, and just, she, I loved her. Uh, Ryan. Ryan. What, I, what, what a, tr- like, truly like an icon. She just so, like, she will live on way past all of us because she is so icon. Like, she is so phenomenal. Her voice, her, like, everything she does is so good. I just want to spotlight a few things that, like, early on that I, like, knew her from. Um, like, do you know the movie Going Ape? Um, no. she's in that and it's outrageous. So I wish everyone just go back and watch go back and watch some old shit with her because it's so fun. And also she has a guest appearance in um Amy Sidaris's show, uh, which is so fucking fun. Um, but she she's just so phenomenal. It, it's it's truly sad. I it, it it sort of hit me in the way that like uh Carrie Fisher did, just like truly someone that you're like you had so many more years ahead of you as well but uh you you all in terms of like acting you could have gone until whenever but like just was amazing honestly so sad yeah clark um i i've been having a i already had a bad year with cloris leachman dying and i feel like Uh, i i i my mom's always said that like I, I, I idolize like old women, quote unquote. I had an issue with B. Arthur died. I'm scared shitless for Angela Lansbury to die. That kind of thing. Yes. When, when Yoda Moist. died. Moist. Oh, did I scared shitless. Oh yeah. I said, uh, anyways. Anyways. I'll just stay joyful in there at some point. And it's, I don't know. It's, um, I feel like, well, having my mom, having two grandmothers, three great aunts like just like living all the time near them with them hanging out with them all the time like it's both like you know connecting in like a familiar way but also just i mean gays are just old women um in golden girls kind of way um that it's yeah it's being rough and it's like i've built these characters as myself in a strange way and as opposed to when Cloris Leachman died, which I kind of knew because I was weirdly reading too many news about her selling properties a year ago. Um, I, and I remember the day of her death, the day before her death, I randomly sent you guys a gif of her. Um, I did not expect this to happen. She, um, Jessica Walter just seemed kind of ageless in yeah. a way. Like you just, you, you, you didn't even think about her, even think about her needing to die. I don't know. It all kind of sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I, I didn't uh, realize until someone pointed it out today that she voiced the mother dinosaur in the TV show Dinosaurs. (laughs) And there's a certain part of her personality that you, you know, it's, she got really a lot of popularity from Rested Development and Archer, but she's always been good. And you feel like she's this really amazing character actress and you can't understand why she isn't somehow still bigger than she is like it feels like she should be everywhere um and in that way there's this kind of like intimacy you get with her as a performer because you feel like you found a secret gem 
that a lot of people also know about. Adam. I was just going to quickly say the uh, one of the other roles that she's not really known for is that she was kind of the original or she was in the original Fatal Attraction. She was like the sort of psychotic killer in Play Misty for me. And I just found that so fucking hilarious because like what a long sorted career of amazing, amazing roles. And she always bought such a presence to each of them. But I, I'm just like annoyed that like she's not recognized more for that. Like Glenn Close is obviously for Fatal Attraction because she came, became such a strong comedy actor. Um, I watched, it was weirdly, once again, the day before Shelley um, Winter died, I watched the movie, The Group, which she was in. And she and Jessica Walter, and Jessica Walter is plays like the biggest bitch in it. And she's absolutely amazing. So like, and I haven't really seen too many of her dramatic work at the time until then. Um, so just, I don't know, she's impressive as hell. I also want to note that the fact that George Siegel died the day before and they had been in a movie together and had been a couple in two different television shows is bizarre and interesting. Kaylin. I just want to say, just to close off this conversation, but like how memorable her lines from both Arrested Development oh and Archer were, that it's just become part of our common vernacular, like, in, you know, like, is like, do you want ants? Because that's how you get ants. Or, you know, how much could it cost, Michael? $10? Or here's some money, go see a Star Wars. It is just part of our humor. It is part of the way that we, we all talk to one another. It's part of our gift game when we text one another or post on social media. So just what a, what a tremendous loss. Um, so moving on to news, uh, Marvel has made a distribution deal with Penguins, Penguin slash Random House uh, thereby undercutting Diamond. Uh, they are now the uh, the other major publisher that has undercut Diamond. If you guys remember from about a year ago, uh, right when the pandemic started, DC Comics ended up making uh, a deal with their own or creating their own distribution channel with local comics stores uh, and uh, to, to, to the point where like uh, uh, Diamond wasn't distributing their comics anymore. They were, and in fact, DC Comics were coming a day earlier than new comic books uh, were from other publishers. So Marvel's got this whole new thing. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how I feel about it because uh, I haven't really stepped into a local comic store in quite a while because of the pandemic. But uh, I, I hope that some of our favorite, favorite comic stores here in D.C., including Big Planet and Phantom Comics, they are not terribly affected by this, uh, as well as all the other local comic stores around the country. Trent? Yeah, I mean, these kind of decisions, this is, Mar it was Marvel who helped uh, make us decide between Betamax and VHS. So they're at it again, you know, where the porn goes, that's what they say, porn and Marvel. Uh -huh. <laughs> mm. What? Does anyone have a more insightful comment? <laughs> no, let's stay with that. Let's just stay with that. Let's I mean, stick with that. What, what could else be said, Brent, than what you have already said? I mean, that well, is I the don't... cherry on top of the porn Sunday. But go ahead, Clark. The diamond closed. It closed. I mean, it stopped publishing for three months just because of Corona. Yes. Distributing, was... not publishing, but yeah. Yeah. Um, do they? Did they? I don't understand. Did they stop because of it? Like just delivering would have caused Corona? Like would have spread I, it? Or was it just well, in plant, sure. the plant? They, I, I think it was that, but it was also because so many stores remain closed because they were not essential businesses. You remember mm -hmm. early on, early, early on, like n the only things that were open were like grocery stores, 
uh, and drugstores and places where you could like get food for takeout. I mean, like barbershops weren't open, gyms weren't open, bars certainly weren't open, even for outdoor spaces. Local comic stores and bookshops in general were not considered essential services. So uh, I think that's why Diamond shut down for a few months. Brian? So, so Diamond is just basically fucked, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're, they're there's, totally no, fucked. there's no hope for them. That that is their bread and butter. They're it, they're done. I I know this is the way that most like companies go. They eventually like maybe go up or like go to a different like larger corporation. But like it sucks for that. Like I it, it, all you can say is it sucks. I mean Marvel's not going to really be affected at all. But it sucks for Diamond. <laughs> I mean they're, yeah. they're essentially screwed. Diamond screwed. And my fear, as I said early on, was like, I don't want local comic stores to be fucked as a result of this. Um, because both publishers no now does. have different distribution channels. DC's comics come out on Tuesday now. Um, Marvel, I don't know what they're going to do if they, they stay with Wednesday. Remaining Wednesday. They, they did say they're remaining Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, obviously, like, um, I haven't stepped into a, a, like a comic store in quite a while because uh, my local one, they still aren't allowing people inside. They're just like bringing like people's like, um, you know, their, their subscriptions out to them. Uh, so I don't know what this is going to mean uh, for, for the future, but I, I really hope that they survive. All right, moving on. Um, so we finally have some dates for some very important uh, Disney movies, including some of the Marvel ones, uh, Black Widow and Cruella. They're going to get a simultaneous uh, uh, release on both Disney Plus as well as in theaters. So uh, uh, Black Widow, which I know that we are most concerned about, is finally coming out in July, about a year and uh, two months after it was supposed to originally come out. Um, The irony of all of this is it it coming out the same day on Disney Plus is maybe we'll, we'll be able to actually go back to movie theaters starting this summer. So I may actually, or some of us may actually be able to go see the Black Widow at like the AMC or the Regal Theater, whatever the hell is still open uh, uh, in, in Washington, D.C. Clark? Um, I mean, Black Widow did have a date up until we found this out in May. So that's been pushed back once again for like, what, the sixth time or something. Um, and sure. as opposed to Cruella, Black Widow is one of the ones where you have to pay $30 in order to watch it on Disney+. Plus. Cruella is free for whatever yeah. reason. Um, also, Luca is the next Pixar one, which is also going to be free. Um, so I guess they're just going to go for like their huge Marvel ones that are going to be the money makers. And I don't know. They're live action versions of cartoons they already made. Um, another yeah. thing I want to note is that Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings has been pushed back to September 3rd, which also coincides with, I believe, the direct- director's birthday or something. Somebody's fucking birthday who worked on it. Moist. That's, that's how much I pay attention to Twitter. <laughs> the best boy. Boss. <laughs> hey, what, Ryan, what's up? Um, uh, not much. Thanks for asking, Clark. Um, <laughs> um, I guess what I'm thinking about this whole thing is um, it's a pretty big deal that Black Widow will be released in Disney+. Plus, But at this point, it eventually people are getting the vaccine right now. At this point, like, Black Widow is so far past even in people's minds that I think they're just like, I don't give a fuck. Just release it. And I don't think they care as much. I don't think it's going to 
play that big of a part into the greater MCU in general. So I think at this point, they were just sort of like, just release it. It's in the past. I mean, I think it will be kind of okay. We want to sort of make Disney Plus a thing. And it kind of waffles between being having new content and then ha- not having new content for a long time. So I think they were just like, whatever. And then they realized by the end of this year, we can actually release movies. So let's let's throw them a bone in terms of these Disney Plus people. Adam, what do you think? I was going to say, I, I also think that price increase of 20 to $30 is actually a sort of... Uh... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't think of the fucking word, but it, basically what it is, like I'm thinking they're even pricing it high. Like you're all saying is this is actually going to drive people into theaters. Cause it's like, why the fuck am I going to pay $30 for <laughs> a shitty ass movie on my shitty ass TV when I can go out for date night cause I got my vaccine. So I wonder if they even negotiated a higher price increase. Hey, cause obviously it's a bigger movie than even Mulan or other stuff they've done for premium access. But I still also think there's that element of like, they might've had to negotiate to be like, great, we'll push, some will push most people in the theaters, but if people want to stay home, we'll give them that like price increase and they'll have to, they'll just bite the bullet and we'll still get two movie tickets out of, out of everybody essentially. Uh, Brent. Kalen first. Um, So my favorite tweet that I saw about this was, Oh, we finally have a date for uh, a movie about the dead white girl that I don't care about. I was like, okay, that's pretty funny. (laughs) But I also, but I also think to, (laughs) (laughs) moist uh but to ryan ryan's just a quick point there is i I don't think that it's an inconsequential movie i think disney finally finally released it because like there's some important building block in the plot that will help um uh let us know what the rest of the movies are like it was supposed to be the first phase four uh film it was supposed to set the foundation for where the marvel movies are going Obviously, WandaVision ended up being the first foray into phase four. So I just think they decided we've got to put this story out there. Otherwise, everything else just comes to a standstill. Brent? There's a very clear part of this that is a, it's been a a retreating strategy, which might not have worked best in their favor, just constantly pushing back, pushing back, pushing back without really thinking about when it's best to get it out, given the circumstances, because they are playing a pretty dangerous game with viewership. Um, you know, I do think there's a lot of people who go to big blockbuster movies based off of word of mouth and popular opinion. And if a lot of those people are deterred by a high price and they know that they can just get the movie in like a month later uh, for free, uh, you know, there's going to be a bunch of people who are just deterred from going to the movie in general. And what that leaves is that a higher proportion of the criticism and commentary is coming from critics, people who are harsher, and it can very easily sour, uh, you know, what might otherwise be a really good reception. Like, for example, Tenet, you know, didn't benefit from that from that critical reception, but Aquaman certainly did, you know, having a lot of people who could go and just say that they liked it, um, kind of drowned out all of the people who were correct and that it's garbage. So it'll be interesting to see how, how it uh, pays out. So. All right. So moving on to I'm DC assuming, movies. Okay, I'm go ahead, Clark. assuming that um, we're going to get the Yelena Belova Black Widow as being the main character in the future. Oh, you yeah, know that. Well, that bitch is already going to show up in the Hawkeye series. 
Yeah, I mean, that 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 experienced actress that I support. Sorry, let me rephrase that. (laughs) But like, uh, yeah, she's going to show up in other places. Well, and then, then be mutated and then be, then become a thunderbolt at some point. It's also interesting that remember how we talked last time about how like they're structuring the movies and the television shows so they're not going to overlap. They just totally fucked that up. Right. Now we got Loki happening totally. at the exact same time as um, Black Widow. All right, Kaylin. Cool. Moving on to DC Comics, uh, DC Movies news. Uh, so uh, both Black Adam and, and, and Shazam, excuse me, I, I almost called him Captain Marvel, the sequel to Shazam are getting some very high prestige actors uh, to play major roles in them. And the first one in Black Adam, this is the one I'm much more excited about. Pierce Brosnan is going to be playing Dr. Fate, who is one of my favorite characters. And I think this is absolutely stellar casting. I was not at all excited for uh, The Rock's passion project, Black Adam at all, even though I, I kind of like the character. I think of him as uh, sort of a quasi Middle Eastern Doctor Doom, but for for the for the DC universe. Uh, but adding in Doctor Fate and then some of the other characters that are going to be in it, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and then in Shazam too, uh, Helen Mirren, who is an amazing actress unto herself, and Clark is part of your uh, amazing older woman iconic yeah. idolization. She's been she's playing a character named Hespera, who I believe has never been introduced in the comics before. Nope. So. Uh, but, you know, um, she's fantastic. Hopefully she kind of hams it up in the same way that, uh, 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 oh God, what her fa- what's her face did as Hela and yeah, yeah, Kate Blanchett as Hela in, uh, in, in Thor. So I'm definitely uh, uh, hoping for that. Ryan. Um, I mean, Mama Mia, here we go again. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan has been cast in a great, like, that. that is perfect casting. It <laughs> will be so damn good. He literally looks the part. He will be British when he needs to be. Like, it's it's perfection already. Like, it, I'm, I'm so excited for this. They made, they, with these castings, like, they they made the films so much better immediately. Adam. I'm, I'm in. I love both of the castings. I do get frustrated when you have such a wonderful rogues gallery for any fucking hero that's been around for 40 years. You're like, let's just make a new character. Like, let's play with it. And I mean that. Okay. Yeah. Adam, Adam, name a Shazam villain for me. Go. Uh, Black Adam. Exactly. <laughs> Stop it. Get out of here. Don't you forget? Don't forget uh, Mazash, who is the reverse version of Shazam. <laughs> you had to read gonna, that, I'm, and I appreciate that. I'm going to say moist because I think that was a curse word. And even though Clark didn't say it, it's a curse word. No. Yeah. Mazash. Moist. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I mean, I hear you, but I'm like, they could have picked a DC, like, it doesn't have to be a Shazam rogue. It could be someone that, you know, has characterization because trying to write a full character using just, you know, your mind is a lot harder than if you were able to grab all of this great content of somebody and say, who were they for 40 years? What do we want to make them for two hours? I think it, you know, it just plays out a little bit more, but yeah, I mean, Hespera sounds cool. It sounds like a fun name. I'm thinking kind of sexy. So we'll see what happens. Brent? Brent? Um, You'll have to refresh my memory on Dr. Fate. But in uh, originally, he's this kind of, you know, older guy. And then the mantle of the helmet gets put onto someone else. Is that correct? Because I think that that makes the casting of Pierce Brosnan even better 
given if, you know, if this is a thing that might continue for future movies, you can continue that storyline very easily and have Pierce Brosnan appear as cameos or whatever as a kind of guide. Um, I think it's a very smart choice. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're totally right. Um, Kent Nelson is the first Dr. Fate uh, in the comics, at least. And then his successor is a young Egyptian guy whose name is escaping me at this point. So if you see like kind of the passing of the mantle, so to speak, I think that would be great. But one thing I've been sort of thinking about, and it's been bugging me in the back of my head, and I can't really like figure out the answer to this, but the character of Black Adam, he is the ruler of a fictitious Middle Eastern nation called Kandak, which is a Middle Eastern nation. The Rock, his ethnicity, he, somebody correct me, but he, I believe he's Samoan. Is that correct? Okay. All right. So I I know that he loves the character. That's awesome. Like in in the same way that like uh, Samuel Jackson loved Nick Fury so much that he wanted to play him. I'm just a little uncomfortable by the fact that like Black Adam, who is a Middle Eastern character, will not be played by a Middle Eastern actor. I'm just putting that out there. Fair. That's a good point. Yep. All right. So moving on to uh, DC Comics news, uh, The Authority, which was a team that I had a lot of affection for about 20 years or so, give or take, is going to be coming back in a new miniseries, and they're going to be led by Superman. And the writer uh, is going to be written by Grant Morrison uh, and illustrated by Mikhail Janin, which is an amazing creative team. Uh, I am really, really looking forward to this because it is... um, the authority is a hard team to get correct and mixing it, uh, mixing them up with Superman, which uh, if you haven't read uh, uh, a comic from about 18 or 19 years ago called what's so funny about uh, truth, justice in the American way, which was Superman taking on an authority pastiche called the elite. It showed the contrast between somebody who's a much more uh, like classic iconic hero versus a team of anti-heroes that set the stage for superheroism in the early 21st century. Uh, I'm I'm interested in this dichotomy uh, and it makes me want to go back and read some of the early authority issues, even though Warren Ellis is a piece of shit. Uh, But I want to hear what you guys think about that. Adam? Yeah, no, I I agree with you 100%. I I haven't read a ton of authority, but I know when I was younger, I definitely read through some of the first kind of issues and runs and storylines and I I really enjoyed them. It It was like, it was so ahead of its time in terms of like kind of taking the piss a little bit out of general superheroics, but also still having a really serious and interesting story. Um, but like Jenny Sparks, I think was so great. And it's just, there's so many good characters and so many good archetypes that I think a lot of people have picked on over the years. Like what we're reading in Marvel comics today sometimes is very similar to what I enjoyed so much about the authority. Like, especially when I think about the Krakoa run, the Krakoa run uh, House of X and, excellent like that like you're seeing a lot of the same things and i know that's why i enjoy it so much because it's uh, you know and and there's a fucking midnighter and apollo like what a fantastic fucking queer relationship back in you know when this came out and it was just so nice to see and it was like it definitely made me as a kid be like oh 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 and so <laughs> i think that i'd really you know i'm excited to see what they do with superman too and i also want to see another side of superman as well because i think i'm a i'm not the huge i get why he's so big but I'm just not the biggest fan of that sort of like, I love a bunch of Boy Scouts like Captain America and, and Cyclops, but I think something about Superman just never rubs me the right way because he's just so fucking powerful. But I do like when he's in, revolved around having to work with people and talk to people and get things done. When I was a kid, I liked a bunch of Boy Scouts. 
moist. Elephant. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> um, so I, the only thing I've read with, um, I read Midnighter and Apollo or Apollo and Midnighter. Which one was it? By Steve Orlando. So yeah. I'm actually kind of, maybe I'll read this DC comic as opposed to all the other ones I don't read. We'll see. Um, I'll just say this one thing about um, building on what Adam said about the influence of the authority. Uh, the authority uh, walks so the ultimates could run so the MCU could exist. Um, and like if the authority had never existed, we would not have the MCU. So they were such such a such an influential comic. And after Mark Miller like was done with his run, which and ended with a whimper, not a bang, uh, no creator has been able to get them right, including Grant Morrison, who wrote a version of The Authority in the mid to late 2000s. Ed Brubaker, who, a writer I really, really love, was never able to, to you know, put his spin on it. But um, I, am, I am excited about this. And plus, Michael Jannon is just a phenomenal artist. He makes everybody look sexy as fuck without looking like ridiculous and ripped. All right, so why don't we move on to this week's issues? We had three comics this week two of which were in uh, Reign of X and one of which is in the cosmic uh, corner of the Marvel Universe. So Cable number nine by Jerry Dugan and Phil Noto and Excalibur number 19 by Teeny Howard and Marcus Toe. Um, just, uh, I'm not gonna do recaps, uh, but I just wanna you know, get from y'all some quick hot takes on these issues. How do you feel the world building is going and give us some best and worst. So Clark. I think as what we always say, Excalibur is only good when Teeny Howard writes characters that she doesn't have in the book. Mm -hmm. She writes characters so well that aren't on the team. I hate the team. I yeah. like Richter, but I don't like him in the series. He, his, every single, it, it's, they're all terrible. But I love every time she does anything else. So she, with Quanon is who she used very well in this series, which was fucking fantastic. And it was interesting and I liked her playing off of Betsy, in which I guess Betsy, Betsy was fine in this just because Quantum was playing off against her. It, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, I don't know what you do about this show. I mean, this show, that too. All right. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Uh, totally agree. Quantum was the clearly the best part. I don't know why Teeny didn't make Quantum in the cast of Excalibur, it seems like such an easy pick for you to do. Um, and I, I, something about like the just sort of like militaristic, like just very, uh, no, not like everything about it is so good. Plus the new outfit that she is rocking is killing it. And I love, I love it, love it, love it. Uh, with that all said, it's just an okay issue. Um, uh, I, I, other thoughts in terms of cable, I, I think there's a big thing that happens in the X universe of everything needs to be a team book and everyone thinks they need to be like in a big, like it's, it's a big, it's a big cast every single time in the next book. Uh, one of the things, uh, cable is pretty good, but I think what they could do is, the way magic shines in this fucking issue is so clear yeah. that like if anyone could do an ongoing solo book, it's clearly magic. Just having her going to limbo, literally just day to day business in limbo is so fucking fun. We just saw like her being like, keep it up. Uh, oh, uh, double time. And then just doing the re recorder joke, like all of that stuff worked so well. 
I think Magic is due to even be more elevated than she already is to A status. And then, like, clearly, clearly, like, have her own ongoing. Especially, and even just with this writer, too, it's just, it's so good. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I love that issue. And I'm, I'm really sad about Cable leaving, too, in a couple months, too. Because I think it's a really good series. Okay, uh, Kalen. So uh, going back to Excalibur for a second, I completely agree with what you said and what Clark said about Quanon. I thought her characterization was so strong and also consistent with who we've seen in Hellion. So that that's what made me happy. And I was a little worried because I think Teeny, like I'm much more charitable to Excalibur than, than the rest of y'all are. But Teeny does have that issue of not being able to like fight in the right characterization or consistent characterization with other characters. And to answer your question, Ryan, I think the reason why she wasn't in this book is because uh, with Hickman's grand plans, clearly they had the Fallen Angels six issue miniseries that we didn't really care about, but it had to set up the whole thing with uh, Apoth, her daughter, and her relationship with Sinister to to launch into Hellions, which she is so wonderful in that book. So I I wouldn't want her anywhere else, but having her be a recurring character in Excalibur would make me happy. I was also really excited to see the Captain Britain core here. Uh, I thought they were absolutely great. Um, that's the stuff I, I, I really like. I don't mind Richter as much as you do, Clark, but Rogue, Gambit, and Jubilee, who had zero lines in this issue, and I'm not complaining because I don't really care for Jubilee, but like, is they're just so superfluous, superfluous in this book. Clark? And once again, Teeny Howard fucking adds a random nonsense at the very end with with malice just being like oh malice just vomited out of her stomach oh sure okay she popped away she hit rogue for a minute and rogue screamed for a second and now she's locked through a gate and i was like what the fuck's going on why what this is a very it's like a cliffhanger that like you didn't even know the cliff was anywhere nearby <laughs> in the middle of the fucking field ball so gag like, ball <laughs> gag what me off so much yeah, the, I will say, I'm slowly becoming a convert of Excalibur. I did really enjoy this issue, but I think it to that what we're all saying, it featured so many non-characters that are normally in the issue, and they were the predominant characters. Like again, Teeny Howard could write Saturnine and could write another world series mm-hmm. or the Starlight Citadel all fucking day. I'm really glad oh. that obviously we would have kept up with that. We were gonna keep up with this anyway, but it makes me really excited to know that. Teeny can do phenomenal work because I know we kind of started really rough patch. We were always kind of shitting on this book or like being really worried about it. I feel really confident now to know and see what the heights of Teeny are. I just wish she had a book that consistently featured the characters she is so great at writing, which is catty and, and like a little bit bitchy, but also very smart. She is a very thoughtful writer and I really like she needs a different cast and I really want to consider to see her grow because again, the whole exchange between Quanon and Betsy, just beautiful. Like the paneling was great. The storyline was awesome. And like just the really quick part where Quanon took like where Betsy, yeah, Betsy came into Quanon's by or reverse versa, sorry, where it was basically just like, now you know how it feels. I was like, now do you understand? It was like such a cool thing. I thought it was just so neat. What a simple, simple phrase. I just, you know, and then uh, just kind of wrapping up for me on cable side. Uh, yeah, I really think it's a fun book. I'm going to miss it. I definitely start, start, it's starting to plod. Like, I don't really know where it's going. And sort of like, it's, it's, I really like the slow pace and it being this character journey. I just hope that they find a way to continue 
that character journey a little bit because compared to the young X-Men, he is a much better Cable than old Cable. I think you could still have both because they are very different characters and just Cable is a very old vestige. The old Cable such an old vestige. I don't really know what he's going to do in Hickman's universe besides be a fucking 90s dick. Like, what are you going to do with this, like, battle-hardened yeah. veteran that has no sense of humor or no one really cares? Um, Kalen? Oh, um, just really quickly on Cable. I got, um, just to add to what Ryan said, I was so happy with all the vignettes, but especially Magics, yeah. mostly because I we got to see Nyasturit, the the demon <laughs> who's the main bad guy from Inferno. I could never get his so name fun. right. I know they called it. I know they called him nasty on um on uh in in Inferno. But seeing him in chains and then you know Cable like trying to get information from him and him like I'll tell you whatever you want and Cable's like mm, this guy's got nothing and then like the fucking recorder singing the uh, uh what is it is I the would Proclaimers five hundred miles yeah. five hundred miles which is it's an earworm and it's the most annoying earworm of all time. And it's such a good, ironic, like hellish punishment. It was so well done, but all the other vignettes were really great. And I, I definitely think they were like laying on the foreshadowing a little too thick with the infographic at the end or the information at the end of like, like no dupe, no duplicate can exist unless it's part of their power set, like the cuckoos or Madrox. I was like, all right, we get it. You're killing off young cable. You're bringing in old cable. Cool. cool, cool. No one wants that. All right, I loved the opening with uh, Emma, Esme, Cyclops, and so good. Cable, just like this weird, you know, dichotomy of we used to date, they used to date, and she's just being like, Esme, he did not into you, which was absolutely <laughs> the, 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 the reason why it's so good is it because it's so unnecessary, but so relevant and amazing. You're like, we could have done without this, but I don't want it. No, I it's don't so good. I need that. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. Oh, go ahead, Clark. Uh, the one other uh, one other thing unrelated is is um, I love the Captain Britain Corps, but for the one one reason everyone is screaming and then Captain Britain Duck is just going Hong Hong Kong. Yes. yes. <laughs> also, can't they just meet in a park or something? Why do they like a socially distanced meeting in the park? They can't do that. <laughs> they got to meet in that one room that she won't let oh. them in. Come on. You didn't hear Come on. you didn't hear you didn't hear uh like New Zealand, other world has reopened completely. They've eradicated <laughs> COVID. It's Florida uh, up in here. <laughs> ooh, uh, I was gonna say just really quickly on Emma, like beyond Grant Morrison and Jonathan Hickman, Jerry Dugan has her voice down the best. When mm-hmm. she tells Esme, it's like he chose to jump off a ship and spend time with you. I was like, you delicious bitch. I love you so much. You're amazing. She's cunt, always. I love it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Uh, All right, so our last issue uh, of this week was Guardians of the Galaxy number 12 by Al Ewing and Juan Cabal, who was doing the best work of his career. And I know it's his last issue, but I hope he goes to, hope he goes to an X book, actually. Um, It is culminating like the Olympians arc that started with the first issue and is setting up the new status quo. So want to hear from y'all what you thought of this issue as well as what you think of the new status quo. Clark? I, I just like the fact that they did things with pa- their their powers they haven't done before. You saw their powers in a functional way, and it, the, obviously the art is fucking gorgeous. Adding to that fact, I agree. Absolutely. It was it was really great. Um, I think the only thing is it felt a little bit fast. Um, it went through stuff a little bit fast, 
but I like that they didn't treat you like morons and you're like, this is the person that has this power. I always appreciate when you don't baby uh, experienced comic like reader. Um, and so they did that really well. But most of the fights seemed to l- just a scotch fast for me. But uh, but uh, at the end of the day, it was still a phenomenal issue. Kalen. Yeah, I I I thought it looked great. And I liked the uh, sort of the the team up battles between the Olympians and the Guardians. I will say the Olympians have never been my favorite villains, even from the first issue, which I thought was good. But the stuff that I really liked about these first 12 issues is the the political machinations of the new like uh, galactic alliance that's happening. And so I am really, really excited about this new status quo that they are going to be uh, not just an ad hoc team, but the officially sanctioned team of this new alliance. Um, and just to see like how the, the politics of like this, this basically this confederacy uh, in, in outer space is going to work. Um, I am very much looking forward to that. Clark? Um, one thing I'm going to say is that I'm going to miss Prince of Power. He's not, he's not. Yeah, bitch. Yeah. He, he is. A and those pecs and those abs and those goofy glutes. Mess. Those are his powers. Glutus, the glutes. Uh, the other thing is um, a thing I forgot. Keep going. <laughs> okay. All right. Go ahead, Ryan. Um, uh, with that all said, it's, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want them to get too like that. I feel like you can read a lot of comics and anytime they're like, I guess we'll become superheroes. And they do that a lot in comics. And I know it's a trope and blah, blah, blah. But then for them to cut to a scene where they're becoming superheroes at the very last panel, like reading it for this many years, you're just slightly over it. I know it is what it is. It's the medium. I know this is what superhero comics is, but it's come on, shum on, shum on just a little <laughs> bit. You know what I mean? Kalen. KK. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you hundred percent, Ryan. So much of the fact that when we saw the, you know, image for the next issue, which has the team, like at least part of the team, like all facing the camera, we've seen this promo image, promo image before the artist, it's nice, but it's no one cabal and it's too 90s extreme for me. I don't know if y'all got that feeling too. Just With like those too jackets. many like big, too many. Well, the jackets are kind of cool, but like it's like the big muscles, the big boobs, the the weird like actiony poses. It's just like you're going from Juan Cabal, who is like just such a sublime artist. He's so fucking good. And he keeps getting better and better. And I don't know if the cover artist is going to be the regular artist for the book. I, I really can't remember. And it, it's just going to look generic, but generic from like 25 to 30 years ago. Clark? Maybe I want to see Drax's giant boobs. <laughs> yes. Moist. So what I was thinking, um, I like the fact that, so I, obviously I like characters that like minor characters and Athena and um, she in Incredible Herc, she was like the only person in the Pantheon who actually supported him. The fact that she ended up betraying yep. Zeus was like, okay, good. Finally, the characterization that I've been stressed out about for the last 12 issues <laughs> finally turns. I, I like really, that a lot. I was that frustrated was until that happened. Oh my God. Yeah. Adam, you wanted to make a point? Uh, 
I was just gonna say I was I was dutifully looking at this last panel because I I do enjoy some good uh, muscles, but this is <laughs> like just call me Alyssa Edwards because this is garbage, Mama. Like this this, this is a really <laughs> back rolls. You see back rolls everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree 100%, Kaylin. It, it is not, it's not my Guardians that I've been reading for 12 issues. And so <laughs> obviously a cover can only tell you so much, but it's definitely very frustrating to me because I thought they had, and I know we're getting like gay teams across the, at the ass for Guardians and other type stuff, but uh, it just, this feels like a little bit like, all right, calm down, fellas. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, for sure. All right, well, that's been the issues, and it's been our issue as well. Uh, as Brent said at the outset, uh, check out our extra episode on our review of the Snyder Cut, that is Zack Snyder's Justice League. And also, uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, listen to our Class X, who is, U- who is U.S. Asian, excuse me. We've been Homo Superior. Tell us a word you never use on Twitter at Homo Superior X uh, or at Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Moist fuck, and thanks for listening. Tell them, babe.